Hi friends, Gerald Law here. Welcome to the Love Lake Norman podcast. Love Lake Norman is a church in Cornelius, North Carolina, whose mission is to help people find and follow Jesus. You're about to hear a message that will be helpful and hopeful. Our goal is to encourage you to take the next step in your faith. Wherever you are, we want you to know that God has a plan and a purpose for you. Thanks for spending time with us today. We hope you enjoy this message. A uh, couple of years ago, I made a decision, and the decision was that I was going to purchase a 1989 Toyota Land Cruiser sight unseen, basically. I met the guy who was selling it halfway across our state, and let's just say, sparing you all the details here, buying a vehicle that old without really seeing it first, Uh, I mean, I saw a few highly selective pictures that he wanted to send me. That was not a great decision on my part. Our life is made up of a series of decisions, and when it comes to decisions, the easiest person to deceive is the person in the mirror. It shouldn't be that way, but it is, and let me share with you why I think that is. You've been involved in every bad decision that you have ever made. You you have talked yourself into or sold yourself on every single one of them. And and it really gets worse because you are also the mastermind behind those decisions. For sure, there have been outside pressures and people who have, you know, led you down bad roads and all of that. But in the end, you are the one who decided. I know it's true of you because it's also true of me. I have this guy who lives in my head who's a sales director and he is really, really good. His logic is always bad, but he can make me fall for things on a regular basis. He can talk me into bad decisions very, very regularly. We, we all have this person living in our heads who talks us into bad decisions. And when it happens, I will ask myself, what is wrong with me? So what's wrong with me? What's wrong with us that we let this happen. I'm going to go ahead and tip my hat here that the content that we're working through with this series called Better Decisions, Fewer Regrets is from a uh, book by a pastor and leader named Andy Stanley with, uh, with this material in it here. So go get it, read it. But we thought it was so important that now was a great time to tackle this together. So the whole idea boils down to this, that there's a relationship between asking good questions and making good decisions. That when we ask good questions, it sets us up to make good decisions. And when we don't ask good questions, then the sales director gets a lot more say in what we do. And if you'll honestly ask and answer and act on these five questions we're gonna give you during this series, you will make better decisions and you will have fewer regrets. And I believe your life will be better. The lives of other people around you will be better because we aren't the only people impacted by our decisions. We aren't the only people impacted by our regrets. In fact, isn't this just true that private decisions have public consequences? I don't live in a vacuum. I don't live in a bubble. The things that I decide in private that sometimes I think only impact me usually impact other people around me. Financial decisions, relationship decisions, college decisions, it goes on and on and on. These things impact not only me, but people around me. Private decisions have public consequences. There's a simple saying from the book of Proverbs, and it basically encourages us to consider what's coming ahead. It would be a great verse for you to memorize, and it goes like this. The prudent see danger and take refuge, but the simple, keep going and pay the penalty. 
Proverbs 27, 17, and it basically means when you're deciding what to do, prudent people, careful people, they take into consideration the long-term issues. Simple people don't, they opt for the now over the later. So these five questions we're gonna walk through are gonna bring you into conflict with that sales director in your head. He wants you to act fast, to act now before it's too late, to think about the now instead of the later, to think about the immediate instead of the ultimate. This verse will help you look beyond the moment and slow down and create some perspective. See danger coming, connect the dots from now into your future. So the first of our five questions we're gonna ask is called the integrity question. The integrity question. Remember, the easiest person to deceive is the person staring back at you in the mirror. Like that's the most difficult person for you to lead. You can't lead yourself well as long as you are lying to yourself, can you? You can't really lead someone who lies if you've ever even tried to. You have to kind of get rid of a liar. So the challenge is this, to fire the dishonest version of you and to hire an honest version of you, one that's gonna tell you the truth even if it makes you feel bad about you. When we're dishonest with ourselves, it, it gives me less credibility with myself. Like It's a weird thing to say, but it's true. And here's how that works out. When we lie out loud, on the inside, what happens? We, we try to justify the lie. We try to justify it to ourselves. Otherwise, we would live at odds with ourselves and that is really hard to do. And so we justify things by making up a narrative and then believing it. Why? Because you are the victim of you. You're a victim of you. You will convince yourself to believe almost anything. I have friends in Alcoholics Anonymous in recovery and they will tell you total honesty is the first rule of recovery. It has to be complete, exhaustive, Honesty, that is the first step. And the first step to begin to make better decisions with less regret is to tell yourself the truth, even if it makes you feel bad about yourself. Now, we don't like for anybody to feel bad about themselves in our world, but there are worse things than that, aren't there? Like denying something bad about ourselves. Denying something bad about ourselves is worse. That's bad for you. And you'll never get where you need to be until you acknowledge where you really are. If you aren't honest about why, you'll have a difficult time taking responsibility for the outcome. You will be irresponsible. In, in this way, dishonesty leads to irresponsibility, right? Now, all of this stuff is probably pretty obvious. That doesn't make it easy, though, because the, the first step is not necessarily to even do anything about it. It's simply this, to be honest with yourself because to decide your way into a better future, you have to become a, a habitual truth teller to yourself, specifically the uncomfortable truth about why you choose to do what you do. The first question is the integrity question and the question is this, am I being honest with myself? You owe it to yourself to be honest with yourself, to know why it is that you do what you do, it, it, it doesn't help you to justify your decisions to yourself. Justifying is, is simply lying to yourself. It, it helps us to ask this question out loud, like maybe even in front of the mirror when you're by yourself. It also helps to add a word to this question. Am I being honest with myself, really? You have to add really, because we are so likely to deceive ourselves in this moment. Why am I doing this, really? Why am I postponing that, really? Why did I say yes, really? Why did I buy that, really? Why am I moving out, really? Why won't I get help, really? Why did I move in? 
really. You, you, you might be a terrible salesperson to everybody else in your life, but when it comes to selling yourself, you are a pro. You're the salesman at the car lot or the furniture store who has a comeback for every time you tell them no. Think back to the last bad relationship decision that you made. You were in love or in whatever it was and your friends warned you, your mom warned you, but you did not listen. And now looking back, you're thinking, what was I doing? What was I thinking? You weren't thinking, you were selling. And the point is this, as soon as you start to sell you on anything, you should stop and hit pause and call a timeout. Why? Because we rarely have to sell ourselves on a good idea. The good ideas we usually just know. It would be great if, if choosing what's best came naturally to us, but it just doesn't. We aren't built that way. We come by this honestly with a, with a natural inclination to sell ourselves on what we want to do. There was an English philosopher from the 17th century named Francis Bacon, and he has a quote. It's a little long, but I want to share it with you. He says this, the, the human understanding, when it has once adopted an opinion, draws all things to support and agree with it. And though there be a greater number and weight of instances to be found on the other side, yet these it either neglects or despises or else by some distinction sets aside and rejects. That's Francis Bacon from the 17th century. You may have studied him in school. And what he is doing is he's describing what we call confirmation bias. When, when we find something that confirms what we think we already want to do, we find reasons to support it. And we reject anything that contradicts it. It's confirmation bias. Think back to that last relationship decision when you were maybe warned and you kept not listening. Think back to the last purchasing decision that you made when you put your blinders on and you did it anyway because it's, it's just what you wanted to do. Maybe you even found a few facts to back it up. Francis Bacon would say that we will do that even though there may be plenty of arguments to the contrary. He says we neglect or despise those pesky little facts. So around 2,500 years before Francis Bacon said that, there was another guy who made a similar observation. It was about 600 BC and a man named Jeremiah uh, served as a court advisor to a series of Judean kings. So Judah was in the southern part of Israel, and if they had just listened to his advice, their lives would have lasted longer. But kings are kings, and they don't have to take anybody's advice, do they? That's why there are kings. And one of these kings was named King Jehoiakim. Now, King Jehoiakim was basically a teenager when he was king. Judah was paying an annual tribute payment to Babylon, which agreed in turn to give them military support and also allow them to run their own business, to run their own affairs. But after three years of this, the king stopped making payments. He didn't want to do it anymore. And to make it worse, he declared loyalty to the Babylonian arch rival, Egypt. Now, Jeremiah, who was his advisor, begged him to change his mind. He told him it was a dangerous decision. King Nebuchadnezzar, who was the Babylonian king, he had been defeated just a few months before by the Egyptian army and he was not in a very nice mood and Jeremiah knew that he would be mad about this. And he also told King Jehoiakim, he said, this is directly against God's will for the nation, what you're getting ready to do. But Jehoiakim ignored Jeremiah and King Nebuchadnezzar, surely enough, came looking for his tribute, looking for his money. He laid siege to the city for three months and he finally put Jehoiakim in chains and he took him back to Babylon to add him to his king collection. Yes, Nebuchadnezzar had a king 
collection. He would capture the king of areas alive and take him back to Babylon and add the king to his collection. And when he felt like showing off his collection, he would take his kings out and parade them around in front of people. He wanted to impress each one of them with a hand on the other one's shoulder. Why would he do that? Because he had also blinded them. So when Nebuchadnezzar left Jerusalem, he took Jehoiakim, but he crowned the former king's son, Jehoiakim, to be the next king. Now, Jehoiakim was 18 years old, and three months later, Nebuchadnezzar changes his mind again. He comes back to Jerusalem, adds Jehoiakim to his king collection as well. So now he has father and son, and then he appoints Jehoiakim's uncle, Zedekiah, as king. He was 21. You, you see how this is going? You're with me here, King Zedekiah. Now, they didn't know it, but King Zedekiah would be the last king of Judah because he wouldn't listen to sound advice. And it was recorded like this in Second Chronicles. It said that he did evil in the eyes of the Lord, his God, and did not humble himself before Jeremiah, the prophet. He didn't embrace Jeremiah either as the prophet. And he did the same thing as the others did. He refused, as crazy as it sounds, to pay tribute to Babylon. Jeremiah pleaded with him. He begged him. He said, this is not going to end well for you either or your family or our country, but king's going to king. And he ignored Jeremiah. And so Jeremiah took the message to the streets. He told the people, he said, when Nebuchadnezzar shows up, just throw open the gates and allow him into the city. But Zedekiah found out that he was saying that to the people and he threw Jeremiah into a dry cistern, which is like a well, to shut him up, to get him out of the picture. But just as Jeremiah predicted, Nebuchadnezzar shows up yet again. He surrounds the city and he waits and he begins to starve the inhabitants of Jerusalem into submission. Now Zedekiah goes and he looks for Jeremiah. He realizes he begs him to ask God to deliver the city, but Jeremiah knew it was too late for that. It was all but over for the city and the only hope would be to beg Nebuchadnezzar for mercy. Instead, Zedekiah tries to sneak out of the city with his bodyguard and his children, which was a terrible decision because he was captured and he was forced to watch as his children were killed in front of him one by one, which was the last thing that he would see because Nebuchadnezzar had him blinded and he made him part of his king collection too. When you hear a story like that, or when you see something like that happen around you and you, you think to yourself, what were they thinking? How could they be so clueless and deceived? And Jeremiah answers that question. He says, the heart is deceitful above all things. Everybody's heart, yours, mine, those kings, their children, our children, everybody deceitful. Now, th there's a difference between dishonest and deceitful, isn't there? Dishonest is just straight up lying, like straight up not being honest, it's pretty easy to pick that out. But deceitful is this mix of truth and half truth and no truth. And it's just harder to pick out. Our hearts are deceitful. They're dangerous. This is why we are so convincing to ourselves that, that that's how it goes. That's how it works. Because once our hearts get convinced, there's something that we want. It like sends a message to our brains. It says, hey, we want this. So go justify it for us. And the brain starts working and the brain knows it's difficult to justify a want, but it's not difficult to justify a need. So the brain convinces us, hey, you need this. And once we think we need it, it's easy. We can just come up with a list of justifications for buying it, for asking him or her out, for going there, for moving here. And in most instances, we really do know the truth, but we fall for it anyway. 
We're very easily deceived. So he continues that verse and he adds this. He says, the heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. It's beyond cure. There's no cure. The heart is deceitful. It's a permanent condition for you. It's a permanent condition for me. You do not outgrow it. You cannot fix this on your own. It is permanent. So it requires a proactive response. And then he adds a question at the end. He says, the heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. Who can understand it? Who who understands it? Who can understand it? Not me. I don't know anybody who can because there are moments where we're like, hey, I don't understand why I decided to do what I decided to do. I just don't understand myself. Why did I choose what I chose? I don't know. But it explains why we can do the very thing that we tell other people not to do. It explains why the person in the mirror is so hard to lead. You just won't tell you the truth. And so you have to ask, are you being honest with yourself, really? And I will say this, the sooner you and I embrace that scary thing about ourselves, the sooner we will be able to to, to be open to input and advice that conflicts with what our hearts say to do. And the more conflict you'll feel about where your heart is taking you. So this week, here's the assignment. Here's your assignment. Have an honest heart-to-heart conversation with yourself in the mirror. Ask yourself, am I being honest with myself really? Tell yourself the truth. Like, even if you're not gonna act on it yet, even if you're not gonna do anything about it yet, you owe it to yourself to know, even if it points you in a direction that you don't intend to go. Our issue is we think we will have to hold ourselves accountable, right, once we answer that question, and that's true, but but let me just give you permission this week not to even do that. Just begin with being honest. It starts with knowing, because what we do know is this, that what you don't know What you won't know, what you refuse to know can hurt you. So be honest with yourself. Most people are not. And let me me challenge you to make a decision today. And the decision is this. I will not lie to myself even when the truth makes me feel bad about myself. There are worse things than feeling bad about myself, like deceiving myself about something I need to change. Am I telling myself the truth or am I selling myself a regret? Am I being honest with myself? Really? So let me close by asking you a few questions. One or two of these may be relevant to where you are, or at least here are the kinds of things we should be asking ourselves. Why did you take that job? Really? Why did you quit that job? Really? Why do you keep going out with him? Really? Why do you keep going out with her? Really? Why did you move in? Why did you file for divorce, really? Why did you buy that, really? Why won't you tell her the truth? Why won't you call your mom or your dad or your kids, really? Those answers, they're gonna be brutal and scary, but also freeing and empowering. None of this stuff comes naturally. Most good things do not. The heart is deceitful above all things. It is beyond cure. It is a permanent condition, but at least now you know. And like it says in Proverbs, the prudent, when they see trouble coming, they do something about it. So decide these things with me today. I will not lie to myself when the truth makes me feel bad about myself. I will tell myself the truth, really.
Let me pray for us. God, you are the author of all truth. And the truth that we ultimately find is found in a person in the person of Jesus. Would you just give us wisdom? Would you give us courage to be honest today with ourselves? It's the first step. It's the first step to living a life where we make better decisions and our decisions add up to the life that you've given us. And we wanna be able to, to tell great stories with our lives, God. Would you help us right now to simply be able to look in the mirror and be honest? It starts there. Thank you for the power and the um, amazing name of Jesus. We pray this in his name, amen. Thanks again for listening. You can find out more about Love Lake Norman at lovelkn.org. If you live in our area, we would love to have you join us on Sunday. If you're not near our church, we want to encourage you to find a life-giving church to be a part of where you live. That will be a key next step on your spiritual journey. Please take a minute, subscribe to this podcast, and keep up to date with our weekly messages. And thanks again for joining the Love Lake Norman podcast.